Esoteric of the Podcast, where we discuss and review the unusual, offbeat, and out-of-print vinyl, VHS, board game, books, anything that strikes our fancy. I'm your host, Chris Schultz. And I'm Aaron Christian. And uh, here we are. Here we are. We are here. So uh, we have another episode. Wow. Yay. We made it to May. We didn't die from the, the Rona. Oh, don't curse us. Don't jinx us. <laughs> Oh, I, I can't believe we are where we are, and um, hopefully, by now things are better or a little bit better. Hopefully, maybe we went back to work two days ago. Maybe we didn't. Oh, that would be so nice. Yeah, I'm going a little stir crazy. I don't know you. So (laughs) I just started going stir crazy because it's finals week. I I don't know about other people, but uh, when it comes to jigsaw puzzles, like I'm not a big jigsaw puzzle person. But I put a, a, a call for help out to get some jigsaw puzzles to pass time. Now, I think the, the general thing with them is people put them out on a table and peck at them over a period of time. Um, I forced my kids to help me finish one in one day, a uh, thousand piece, because I just obsessed over it because I've got nothing else to do. Now, what makes a jigsaw puzzle a jigsaw puzzle versus just a puzzle? Uh, this I know the saw. There's a saw called a jigsaw, and it uses a jig to saw. They use a jig to saw. Did not know that. But I'm mostly making that. I, up. I thought that all jigsaw puzzles were like triangles. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I, I they were like there's they were more triangular in shape than square. Because hmm. you know we're looking at puzzle pieces right now. They're inherently a, a square or rectangle kind of shape like those which I don't know yeah, okay I don't know maybe we'll google it at some point we do have google to, <laughs> at our disposal we and we fail to use it so we don't have a drink tonight because corona yeah um but I think um we should review spit so swallow your spit <laughs> okay mm. okay warm um sticky um Viscous, viscous, yeah, um, yeah, not w- wouldn't use it to hydrate. Um, no, no, no. And uh, like I'm tonguing the inside of my mouth, trying to see if I can find any bit of something I've eaten recently to get some flavor. <laughs> no dice, just tastes like mouth. Yeah, so this is something you can try at home uh, if you're bored. Feel around your mouth with your tongue. Maybe you find something. Maybe you don't. Maybe you find a little present, like a gift you left yourself from dinner earlier. Who knows? Give it a shot. Don't be afraid. Be yourself. Corona. Are we always tasting mouth? Is Does mouth have a taste? Well, it's got to have a taste. Th- okay. TMI. But we're going to ask it anyway. When you, like, French kiss somebody, like, is do you taste something? You know? You know, it's funny because I would think that unless something is awry, their mouth would taste similar enough to yours that it really it would be it's like drinking water. Like yeah. different types of water have maybe a slight flavor, but Well you see, like I think of it like there there's that whole question, like, do people see the color the same way? Like mm. is the way that I see red the same the way that you see red? So like just because my mouth tastes like this doesn't mean that her or their mouth tastes like this. Yeah. You know? And fortunately, like, bad breath doesn't translate to taste that much, mm. which is good. Yeah. Yeah, although t- taste and smell are usually inherently yeah, very intertwined. Closely A related. lot of what taste is is up in the nose, too. It burns the nostrils. If you don't get that quote, goodbye. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, maybe we'll, we'll in the future. I know we won't for next week. Have a drink, um, but maybe we will at some point. I uh, so for my spit, <laughs> I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. Would drink again. Um, I'm gonna give it a ten just because I don't have any other choice. So it's the best thing that to digest my food. <laughs> it, does, <laughs> it does a good job. It does a good job at beginning the digestion process. Nice, yay spit. I always used to think when I was younger that if you spat on like a worm or something, it would like start to digest it in front of you, well, which is partially true. Flies do that. That's gross. Have you ever seen um, David Cronenberg's The Fly with Jeff Goldblum? No. He totally pukes on a guy's um, 
hand and it dissolves. Oh my gosh! As he's transforming into a brundle fly. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. That's a conversation. You know, butterflies there. taste with their feet. I'm damn glad I don't taste with my feet. <laughs> I don't want to taste my shoes. No, I smelled them. So. My own shoes. I mean, I've smelled. Them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't make. I smell my own shoes yeah, only. Yeah, I don't make a habit of smelling other people's shoes. Not that kind of guy. So anyone who knows me knows that I am a big fan of breakfast cereals. Except for when the uh, troop brings them wow. on camping trips. Any kids bring bring sugar cereals. <laughs> you guys can bring bran. Bran is better. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, you know, when there's a difference between when I'm home enjoying a bowl of cereal and when I'm trying to uh, encourage people to eat a well-rounded breakfast. But anywho's uh, I do like my breakfast cereals. Uh, my parents were, uh, they let us, oddly enough, actually, the only cereal that my mother would not let me eat as a kid was Cookie Crisp. Really? Any other sugar cereal was completely allowable, but Cookie Crisp to her was one step over the line. <laughs> <laughs> because it was cookies. So I do uh, remember one time when I was like 13 or 14, uh, so after my parents had divorced, my stepfather uh, was living with us. My, that he weren't married yet, but his uh, stepson came over for the weekend. Both his kids, not his stepson. I was his stepson. His kids came over <laughs> for the weekend, and he got them cookie crisp, and they didn't eat it. But they left on Sunday, and I sat there at the dining room table, and I ate the entire box. I don't blame you. And I threw up. Because <laughs> so, uh, cookie crisp isn't that great. You know, I, I've always, when I was, uh, I don't know, I'd say like nine maybe ten uh third grade we did a project in art class mm. that was we had to create our own cereal Ooh. and one of the boxes that because we had to use an actual cereal box and then like make our own digital like cereal box cover and then paste it onto there so the box that the teacher was using was oreos which were a, which mm. were a thing and then they discontinued them Yep. And so when I was like nine or ten, I was like, "Oh my god, I've always wanted to." I like, I, I really like this. I've always wanted to try them, but they discontinued them. A year or two ago, maybe even three, um, they came back with them, really? and I was like, because ah! <laughs> <laughs> it was something like it sounded so good. I actually haven't tried it yet, uh. all things considered. Um, so if you anything, sh- it's reminding me I need to go and and buy a box of Oreos. So favorite childhood cereal. Are you asking what's my favorite? Yeah. Answer? So there's there's the right answer, mm-hmm. which is my username for everything. So it would have to be Applejacks. Applejacks. But uh, genuinely speaking, um, probably Frosted Flakes. Hmm. Most of my favorite cereals as a child were discontinued, so uh, I have some pain there. <laughs> uh, Fruit Brute was one of my favorites as a kid. He was one of the monster cereals. There's Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Booberry. Yeah. Uh, well, Count Chocula is still a thing. Yeah, all well, those three are still around. Yeah. <laughs> there was also Yummy Mummy and Fruit Brute. Um, Yummy Mummy w- was all right, but Fruit Brute I really liked. Uh, in fact, I have a bobblehead over there. He's a werewolf with uh, rainbow-colored uh, overalls. Uh, I really like Donkey Kong cereal. Uh, and, <laughs> I'm laughing and C-3PO's and Pac-Man those were all really C-3PO's and they were actually figure eights but whatever yeah. it was Star Wars um, at my breakfast table so I loved it um, so Fruit Brute did make a reappearance a couple years ago they did a limited run uh, that was kind of cool mm-hmm. but the, the of course the packaging has changed although I think Target uh, had a small run of like retro box art and I'm such a sucker that I go pay an extra two bucks for a box of cereal because it has a reprinted cover from the 70s <laughs> but you know hey whatever I, my I, I guess my favorite childhood cereal that is still being sold today is uh, Captain Crunch I might have to change my answer <laughs> you a fan of the captain I, I forgot about that cereal I, I actually asked for it the other day I said hey if somebody's going to the store Buy Captain Crunch, and they're like, "No, <laughs> eat some of the crap we have here." Oh, Captain Crunch is so good. So since since my stepdad we, works at um, the supermarket yeah. in like the corporate office, we get a bunch of free samples of stuff. 
So right now at home we have frosted flakes with like lucky charms in them, like just the charms okay. in the frosted flakes. And then we also have um, Rice Krispies treat cereal. So it's like not just Rice Krispie; it's like tastes like the treat, but okay. it's a cereal. It's like going, it's like going to the treat then back. Whoa. Yeah, it's like a deconstructed uh, Rice Krispies. Yeah, treat. and it's kind of cool. It, it's usually just like r- new versions of the same cereal that we get, but it's like we kind of get a sneak peek of what's going on. He kind of uses our judgment as to whether or not it's a good idea to bring into the store. So interestingly enough, I do have a memory of uh, for a while, like Rice Krispies was doing a bunch of different flavors, mm. and they had a uh, a frosted Rice Krispies, which would be essentially the same thing. Right. Captain Crunch Berries used to be my favorite, but I stopped eating them after they changed the color of the berries from red to multicolor. Because mm. uh, I was a stickler for the red. But before we, uh, before I leave the subject of Captain Crunch, number one, he's an admiral. If you look at his uh, yeah. bars on his uniform. Do you know what Captain Crunch's first name is? I did, but I don't. It's Horatio. Horatio? Horatio Crunch? Yes. Yes. No. no. It's not, <laughs> not allowed. Captain of the SS Guppy. Uh, yeah, his name's Horatio. <laughs> that sucks. But, uh, so as much as I love my breakfast cereals, uh, I noticed a disturbing trend. There is no female cereal mascot. The only thing I have to disagree with your not at all biased statement you just said uh-huh. is the word disturbing because I don't think that's a disturbing trend <laughs> I, and, and I, I would have to say it's probably unintentional at best like you know well uh, I, I probably should have if I realized we were going to dive into this discussion I, I would have pulled up some research on this a uh, just a odd amount of research goes into ex- the packaging designs for cereals like the colors and yeah. shapes they use are all designed to elicit certain feelings mm-hmm. as you're walking down the aisle it's really creepy um to me i like that somebody's putting that much thought into because i just eat it because it tastes good um but it's to the point where so i know right off the bat some people are going to say well what about like rainbow bright or um strawberry shortcake cereals that's true. Limited runs, but there hasn't been a mascot, a female mascot. In fact, to the point that Fruity Pebbles, named after Pebbles. Who's on the box of Fruity Pebbles? Bam Bam. Bam Bam? He's on the Cocoa Pebbles. Get your cereals right. <laughs> I worked in a grocery store for five years, and I keep mixing them because they, they're right next to each other. Yeah. On Fruity Pebbles, it's Fred and Barney. Pebbles makes no appearance on any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go back through the entire history of breakfast cereals, there are no female mascots. They are all male. So the bunny for tricks is a male? Mm-hmm. It's a bunny. It's a bunny, but he's male. We sure about yeah, that? Yeah, it's a tricks rabbit. We, we sure that the tricks rabbit's a male rabbit? Yep. We sure about that? I'm positive. I think if it's an animal, we have the right to just choose. Well... Some of them are naked, and some of them are only wearing shirts, so you don't want to get too uh, deep of a dive into their gender. But they, <laughs> they're all—they're voiced by males. They have a male persona. They're—they have male pronouns. Um, and, and why? Like it seems like a place where you would think like female mascots would appeal to girls. Like uh, there are there are what I would call girly breakfast cereals. Yeah, like fruity pebbles. I, I like Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> That's why I said it. <laughs> uh, but there's uh, seriously, and it's just it's bizarre to me that if you go through the entire history, uh, all the way back to when um, cereals first started being a thing, there's nothing. They're all male. I guess. Think about it. I, I would think about it this way. It's except for the the ones you know, like Captain Crunch is very specific, and um, probably other ones. Uh, in like Fruity Pebbles that have males on it if you're looking into a marketing standpoint what what's going to convince you more to buy it if you're watching a commercial right a light hearted voice or like a male dominating voice because I think that those tones I don't, I don't think it's inherently sexist 
Like, I don't think that that's the point of of the marketing. I think what's going to sell it better, and I think they know that. And for the, like the four people in the world that are genuinely upset about this, um, <laughs> I haven't like, seen protests in the cereal aisle. No, I I, I think the thing that it comes down to is like, yeah, you know, like maybe you know, put put a girl on a cereal, whatever. Does it matter? You know, it's it, it's a cereal. Yeah. You know, it's it's not trying to teach anybody anything or do anything wrong. We have so many other areas of the world we could focus on, but we're we're just we're putting Captain Crunch on a cereal where we could put mrs captain crunch maybe captain crunch could have long hair and be a girl it doesn't matter you know it's the same cereal you know inside i i don't i don't think that there's inherent deeper meaning here you know but at the same time it's interesting to think about it you just don't put a lot of thought into it like you never would have thought that i do like that there was an article about this called breakfast sausage (laughs) (laughs) yeah um it, it was funny, and I remember when this first occurred to me, uh, I, I wish I could find it again. There was a much more in-depth article that I had read about it. and I, I mean, I guess if you were, I, I don't think it's inherently sexist, but I, I guess if you look at probably like the ad inv- industry, who's doing the ads, it's probably a male-dominated business. The um, funny part about that is my first marketing class in school was a, was a woman. Interesting. She actually was talking about, she worked she worked for some company, some like dish soap company. She used to go in on helicopters and go over the competitors and and see what they had for operations to try and copy those operations. Oh, that's crazy. So, um, marketing's insane. <laughs> yeah, R and D. Well, it is. Dude. And, and that's the funny thing. Like it, I guess why I would say it disturbing is that there is some psychology behind having only male mascots. Like that's disturbing to me. That something in my reptile brain. Uh, is influenced to buy cereal because there's a male talking where if you asked me personally like i don't give a shit i buy cereal based off of taste or um honestly like product tie-in if it's star wars it could be sugar-coated shit i'll probably buy it yeah i might not eat it but i would be interesting to see someone market a cereal like maybe i'd be interested to see maybe particularly just something that maybe was a short run that they had, like a a woman on it or a female mm-hmm. or something, and um, look at the sales in comparison to yeah the like the same. Let's say they put out two cereals, the exact same cereal, but one had a woman on it, one had a man on it. They do it in two similar markets and run a test that way. I'd be I'd be really interested to see the numbers. Does it sell any differently? Yeah, I w- would you too. Because I think that would that would prove it. I mean, if it literally makes no sense and people just buy it just to buy it, I mean, you know. Yep. And before anybody comes at me, uh, I, I will say again, there has been limited run cereals with yeah. a, a female. Uh, then there are Wheaties that have females on the box. We're talking about mascots here. Yeah. Um, so just to clarify. Uh, right. Okay. So for our album tonight, diving back into uh, something genuinely esoteric. Uh, we are going to listen to an album by Daniel Johnston, who is an outsider artist who briefly became um, somewhat popular with the indie crowd in the 90s. Mm. Um, Daniel Johnston uh, was born in 1961. Uh, he was an American singer, songwriter, and visual artist, uh, part of the outsider lo-fi scene of the early 90s. Um, so basically what he did is he recorded uh, cassette tape albums in his living room on his own um, and they were known for their pure and childlike qualities Hmm. Uh, and when you hear them like it's it's some guy sitting in his living room like not he's not even got a four track he's just singing into a recorder Um, that's kind of cool i like that he, he suffered uh, his whole life with mental issues. He was hospitalized numerous times for schizophrenia and bipolar. Um, and he managed to gather a cult following because he worked at a McDonald's in Austin, Texas and would just hand out copies of his cassettes to people. And it finally started getting around. Uh, and then he um, gained some popularity um, when Kurt Cobain from Nirvana started wearing a T-shirt with the cover of his album on it. Uh, huh. <laughs> that's really cool I uh, one of the things I'll say about Kurt Kurt was always really cool about um, trying to get the, the the bands that he was into out and known like he covered Meat Puppets mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't know the Meat Puppets until their Unplugged thing yeah um, and Daniel Johnston the same way 
There's a fantastic documentary uh, called The Devil and Daniel Johnston that's worth checking out if uh, you want to take a deep dive into him and his works. The um, album we're going to listen to tonight is called Hello, How Are You? which out of all his albums is probably the best known. Uh, the cover for that is what Kurt used to wear in his T-shirt. <laughs> and I decided to go with it because it's um, it's 15 tracks. It's not a long album. And it, it's pretty diverse in the sound. A lot of times what Daniel would do is he kind of just had like one shtick he was working right. for an album. And he's got a lot of albums. So I, I thought this would be a good place for us to, to jump in and take a listen. Um. Let me see. I'm just looking at the wiki here to see if there's anything interesting to say about this album. Uh, it's one of the most sonically varied of his early output. So that, that's why we're looking at this. Uh, he called it his unfinished album and was recorded in the midst of a nervous breakdown. Hmm. Um, so one of the things that I really like about Daniel and one of the reasons I wanted to share um, him with people. So as you're listening to it, it's real lo-fi. As I said, it's it's like we are recording this podcast. We are like a hundred steps ahead of anything that he was doing. Oh yeah, um, and it does have a very childlike, almost immature quality to it. But the purity of what he's singing about, like he's singing about his own emotions, right? And and the things he's going through, and like I honestly have been brought to tears sometimes listening to him because it's just it's so honest and mm. and so completely genuine um so hopefully people will enjoy him hopefully i don't cry in the middle of it i i, I won't mock you <laughs> so the uh the first track on the album is called poor you so let's take a listen every morning he got up dreading each moment he had to be awake he'd look at the floor and scribble on gum wrappers he never found a better way to joke around the clock would tick and time went slow and there wasn't anywhere he wouldn't go to avoid having to see anyone. So that was a lot more lo-fi than I expected it to be. Like, like you were like, there's no four track. I'm like, oh, is it maybe he's like playing guitar or something? No, there's nothing. Yeah. He's just singing. Um, yeah, from, yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've listened to this album. Some of the tracks, uh, he does tentatively use a guitar a few times. Mm -hmm. I think there is some piano and there's some experiment with uh, noise collage and like tape looping. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty much just straight yeah. up singing. Um, I like that a lot. Every morning he got up dreading each moment he had to be awake. Like, that's heartbreaking. Hmm. Um. I've I've had like bouts of depression in life, but uh, you know I'm not bipolar. I'm not schizophrenic. Being aware of that, it's got to be. I, I can't even imagine living with like knowing you're crazy. Well, it's it's like what what are the steps of was it grief? You know the stages of grief. Yep. And like one of the things there is like acceptance. Mm -hmm. You know, and accepting it is probably one of the hardest things to do. And you know if you're grieving the loss of your sane self, in a sense, and you're accepting that like these problems and things in life are are inherently like that's who you are at this point then uh, that's that's difficult to grasp like I, I i i would have a hard time accepting that myself yeah and it's great i know again that somebody uh would would take music as an outlet to yeah to work that out so our next track is uh big business monkey which uh, i'm on uh, lyric genius right now um Song reveals Johnston's attitude towards big business and capitalism. He speaks directly to the owners of big business with criticism and warns of the meaninglessness of their selfish, money-driven pursuits. Oh, it should be interesting. Yeah. Everything's money. completely different than what i was expecting yeah yeah i'm uh, what is he playing there i'm not sure if that's like a if he's got an accordion or if that's like a i, I don't know if that's like uh some sort of keyboard kind of thing i remember when i was a kid i had this little keyboard and it was electric and when you turned it on it like it filled with air and it made this like 
it sounded like an air hockey table when you turned it on, and then you'd play it. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, it's low tech. Um, I I thought it was kind of funny that the the write up on Genius uh, was pro- almost like as longer than the lyrics in the song. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, like I don't think I don't know enough about his father, but I get the feeling like maybe it's that line he runs his house like a burger king manager i think it was more of a dig at his old man than like capitalism yeah um but you know that's me (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I don't know who that was singing it was not daniel oh yeah that was daniel singing (laughs) (laughs) this is all daniel no yeah so so he got castrated Right when this this song was recorded, that's why he had tight pair of pants on. Tight pair of pants on. So the uh, the next track is "Walking the Cow." So let's uh, dive into that. Try to remember. So I think the story behind this song is really interesting. Do tell. The title was inspired by an illustration on a wrapper for Bluebell ice cream depicting a young girl attempting to lead a reluctant cow by its reins. Walking the cow. Walking the cow. Uh, This song is also covered by Pearl Jam. Yeah, I was going to play that uh, while we were doing our thing in between takes because I'm kind of curious to hear yeah. uh, Eddie Vedder covering that. Yeah. Um, trust. It's it's funny that at the very beginning that uh, the pig goes oink. Do you remember? Did you have yes. one of those things yeah. when you were a kid? And that's exactly what he's doing. He's just he's playing with that at the beginning of the song. Family Guide is a thing on that where mm-hmm. you pull it and a cow goes shazoo. <laughs> but it was like a European one of those things. Um, the long story short, they go through the whole episode and they get like teleported to Europe at some point and um they're like, I don't know where we are, but it's somewhere in Europe. And they go over to the cow, and it's Jazoo. That's how they know. It's, I don't know. It's funny. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our uh, next track is "I Picture Myself with a Guitar." making fun of him I swear to God but (laughs) 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 if anyone was ever interested if I decided to pick up a guitar and sit in my living room and (laughs) record a song you heard it here first that's what it sounded like oh my god so I did uh, I know some you know, we were reading. I was reading the uh, wiki entry about this album. It, it mentioned that uh, there's some tentative guitar playing on this album. I think we just heard it. Tentative. Tentative. That's. I can understand why. If he had never played before and picked it up, and he pictured himself playing guitar. Hmm. Oh yeah. So the uh, the next song is, despair came knocking. Despair. Despair came knocking. I caught Chris off guard. I think that's great. Yeah, I did. I was getting distracted by. Chris See, knocking. I just did. You get it? What I just did there? What? I caught Chris off guard there. I thought it was great. Great. Oh, <laughs> oh throwback. Full circle. <laughs> so that, I feel like that was a a, a very accurate description of depression. Mm. 
if, if you're personifying um, a yes. depression coming upon you. Yeah, I, I enjoyed how it felt. It felt depressing. Yeah, it, it almost felt like like this like cagey bouncing around kind of like thing you might feel inside your head where you're just like struggling with everything going on in life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like how you might wrestle somebody, you just like go around the room and you just like hit each other. Yeah, that's what wrestling is, kids. <laughs> and the, I like that. Like the last line, the despair came knocking, and I let her in for a while. Like as we've been going through this pandemic, I've had days like that where I just wake up and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna like not do anything today. Yeah, I, I don't feel like dealing with the world. I'm I haven't just... haven't had that opportunity in a while. Oh, I need something to do. So that was a nice little ditty. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh, the next song is I Am a Baby in My Universe. Hmm. Just listen. I am a baby in my universe. I'll live forever. He didn't live forever. No, which is sad. Yeah. He, I mean, he lived to, lived into his, not old, old age, but. You're just shy of 60. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, what? if, if you're going to die, at least Pearl Jam played your music. Yeah. And yeah. I would take that as a compliment. And I like the sentiment in this song. It's, it's simple. It's, you know. I'm only 22. I'll live forever. I'm a baby in my universe. That's what I was going to mm-hmm. say. You know, and again, I know I've mentioned this before. I I, I always I appreciate the fact that somebody takes the time to put the lyrics online and they have a website yes. devoted to this stuff. But sometimes the um, insights uh, on here, like whoever, uh, this song is about how many young people don't have a single care in the world because it feels like they have the rest of their lives ahead of them. Uh, no shit. Yeah. What? what? Okay. Yeah. I. That's why I like the, like, I think Panic at the Disco does this. They can go on, the artists can go on themselves and they get to write the annotations, which I think is way more helpful. Yeah, which is um, one of the, you know, things that we hope to do on this podcast from time to time is is get the artists come in and actually talk about the tracks like yeah. this uh, yeah nervous was really good for that. you get a little bit of an idea of what the thinking was right so, yeah i can i can dissect these lyrics any way that i want but i'm never going to get down to the meaning of what that person meant and which i kind of like because i like songs that let me choose my own meaning to it mm-hmm. and like it was written about a other person's experience, but like if I take these words and apply them to my experience, then I can relate it. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of like spelling it out, and and I like songs that let me do that. Um, and that's why I like when artists go on and they explain what it's about. Sometimes I like hearing the backstory, but like when you tell me that this is what this song is, like maybe I want it to be my own thing, and that's what makes me happy, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Jim Morrison of the Doors. Um. Yeah, he considered himself a poet. Uh, and uh, I remember reading that a lot of the metaphors he uses are like his own personal, private um, metaphors. So there is absolutely no way to interpret it other mm-hmm. than whatever your own personal interpretation is because whatever imagery he's got, it's just it's it's in his head. Yeah. Interesting. So this next track uh, appears to be a very short one, Nervous Love. nailed it i've nailed it i figured out who who's singing it's not daniel johnston it's peppermint patty from the peanuts <laughs> when we listen to the next track listen to the voice okay and you're gonna go yeah kind of oh my god it's peppermint patty oh my god hey chuck so yeah i got a nervous love worrying's all that i do like that's all i know is when he just 
started saying hi how are you at the end of that i probably crapped myself yeah it, it was uh um disconcerting like pardon the second word in this but that was ear rape <laughs> uh this next track uh i think following along the same theme here this is what like 21 seconds yep uh, i'll never marry i'll never marry i'll never wed nobody wants to kiss you when you're dead nobody wants to lie in bed with you when your flesh is rotting so uh daniel johnson never did marry oh he didn't no I, I could be wrong. I might have to double check that, but yeah, no, I don't think he did. I can I can fact check you. Um, nobody wants to kiss you when you did. Um, that is that is true. You'd hope. Mm. And I feel like that doesn't take a lot of digging to get to the uh, the root of what's going on there. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. The uh, it's what's kind of cool about the the uh, brevity of the song is you can pick up on it got a nervous love I got a nervous love worrying's all I do that's, that's all the lyrics yep uh, it's almost like a little trilogy here because uh, this next song Get Yourself Together is what you say was clocking in at 30 some seconds maybe <sighs> that's a long that's a long song I don't know if I can handle it <laughs> get yourself together or fall apart make your mind up or let yourself down get yourself together Get yourself together or let yourself down? Prior to starting this segment, um, I learned some things that made me not very um, very, very, very happy at the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took me, this song really took me on a trip to get myself together. Um, as you can hear my voice, the irritation and the frustration uh-huh. that is currently settling into every single capillary of my body. And um, that's all I'm going to say. And, and it's, it seems to me like this song is a, it's a message right to you. Yeah. Get yourself together. And you got yourself together. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what what you see on the outside is not what's on the inside. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Still waters run deep. Uh, speaking of, the next song, Running Water. Mm. Running water, running water. Where are you running from? You always seem to be on the run. And you never change your mind. So uh, I noticed that there was actually running water in that song. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because I didn't hear it. Um, I just kind of wrote it off as static. Um, you can kind of hear it. it's kind of like a, a rotary, like a sort of thing going on. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out as we're listening to that if that that's the tape recorder making that sound, or mm. if he's got some other thing. I, I've noticed sometimes in um, not on these tracks as much as some other songs I've heard from him. I think a lot of times when he's got the tape recorder, it's not near him because sometimes you can hear him like running across the room to go turn it off. Mm-hmm. Um, just got I kind of cool. I, I like that a lot. Like that yeah, sort of thing. So it's it's funny. Um, I'm looking at Genius again, and um, you know, obviously there's a theme with this song about running water, never knowing where you go. Right. Um, the the person writes Daniel Johnston contrasts himself to running water in the sense that he is the complete opposite. He does not know where to go due to his insecurities and fears. His unstable personality stops him from moving on. I would interpret the song to be the complete opposite. Um, I I think what I my interpretation is is that because of his insecurities and fears and uh, mental issues, he's cognizant of the fact that he's always moving, always running, but doesn't know he no he's not changing and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just always in a state of movement, and he's questioning that. That's what I got mm-hmm. out of it. Could be wrong. Hmm. Uh, so our next track is Desperate Man Blues. Now, 
this is clocking in at three minutes and 40 seconds, so hold on to your pants Oof. because it's longer than the others. Longest one so far. Maybe something will come along and make me happy. Happy. There ain't no fun in living anymore. I think the really cool part about that song was playing whatever that was in the background and then creating your own thing over it mm. you know and i think we talked about it earlier like take interpreting songs your own way and i feel like he did that he took what this song sounded like or that the backing track i'll call it to this song and created something based around it and i i think that's exactly what you're supposed to do with music when people get upset about people stealing things and stuff like that if you're taking it because you can't come up with something better that's bad mm. but when you're taking it and repurposing it for something that you know you can create a different experience for, I think that's great. Like yeah. um, like uh, Dazed and Confused. You know, Led Zeppelin did a great version. I also like the original version. Yeah. But they have two different, completely different feels. I don't know. Well, it's funny. Uh, listening to this song, a couple of things struck me. One, um, just, you know, the, the nakedness of talking about his own depression. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like, I can't tell you how many times I've, listen to uh an, an album that's instrumental you know maybe like a movie soundtrack or something that i'm very familiar with and, and fond of and just bored riding around in the truck like i'll come up with my own lyrics and sing them to myself whatever just working through whatever's going through my head that day and so he does that and then records it and then shares that with people like, yeah that's awesome um I think you got to be a little touched to take something like that. I call and it sure. sun-kissed. Sun-kissed? Yeah. Um, Which I know means tanned, but I just, I think of the soda and how it's spelt, and I feel like that's what somebody... Uh, like star-kissed. Um. Is that the tuna? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Charlie the tuna. Um, you know, most people, like, honestly, like, if I'm riding around the truck, and I'm listening to, like, I don't know, let's say uh, something from the Star Wars soundtrack, and I'm having a bad day, and I sing to myself about it. I might even, at the end of it, be like, hey, that, that was pretty good, but I would never share that with anybody. So for him to record that and then, like, hand those tapes out to people, like, that's yeah, that's probably the mental illness that made him do it, but thank God, because that was really cool. Because then Kurt Cobain wore the T-shirt, so. Right. Uh, Desperate Man Blues. Uh, so the next track is uh, Hey Joe, and uh, I don't think it's yeah I don't I don't think it's Jimi Hendrix version no um, but let's let's see what Daniel had to say. Get back, get yourself together. Come on, come on. really nice yeah it's just a very uplifting song mm. um and i know he's using characters that he's talking to in this but he's obviously talking to himself yeah um i know you're thinking of your nervous love i know exactly what you're thinking of there was an earlier song called nervous, nervous love, love yeah. yeah so he's, he's referencing that that emotional state right uh not a lot to say about the song other than uh, i really dig it yeah, it, this is one of those songs. Like, and I just talked about it. I, I could talk through the whole song, but it, it it's actually it's calming me down, you know, from my earlier mass injustice, and I I feel like things that, that's the most important thing here. You know, mm -hmm. is like it, whatever's going on here. Like this is a a nice just like, <sighs> yeah. Hey, Aaron, don't let it bother you. It's gonna be okay. There's every little thing. It's gonna be alright. So, yeah, a full confession here. I, I wanted to introduce Daniel Johnson to our audience so that forever and ever with our future podcasts, I can sing a song. 
and it won't like, be so terrible. Like, oh, like, wow, he's, wow. Yeah, he's doing Man. Daniel Johnston. Chris is just doing a Daniel Johnston. That's it. A Daniel Johnston. <laughs> that outsider art. It's a nice way of saying he's got no talent or ability. Yeah. Well, maybe at the end of the season, when we come out with our um, final compilation episode, we've been putting together piece by piece. We'll have a couple of songs. Christians. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know what? Uh, we got auto tune, so uh, we yeah. can always make it sound a little better. A little, or a little worse. Or a little worse. Uh, so the next track is called um, She Called Pest Control. Am I reading that right? Probably. She Called Pest Control. Mm. Here we go. She called pest control. And when she was sprayed, she never was bothered again. She wore western style boots for shadowing things to come. I said That was wonderful. That that was awesome. I love that. That was great. <laughs> that was so fantastic. There was two lines of singing. I loved it. She called pest control. That's it. I, I, I feel that. And when she was sprayed, she never was bothered again. Yeah, yeah. I like that. There's, I, I'm cracking up because on Genius, like nobody bothered trying to interpret that. Song. Yeah, it just, it just stands. This probably have a genius. I don't know if it's people can't or don't want to go through and try to interpret it. Versus, um, it's just so esoteric that somebody's like, nah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, he's not gonna do it now because he's kind of taking a dirt nap. But, yeah. um. I, I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> well, we're down to our last two tracks on the album, um, and they both have a Joe theme to them. Yes, they do. So this uh, first song is Keep Punching Joe. Listen, folks, I gotta tell you now I've been singing the blues and walking the cow that tell you my soul's like wanting water, hot or cold, now one or the other. I guess I lean towards the excessive. So he's doing that thing again with the backing track going mm. on. Um, again, like coming up with your whole, your own whole like interpretation of what that those set of notes were, whatever you want to call it. Um, I I think though that when he he introduces himself in the beginning of the song. He uses a higher register that he has been for like a lot, pretty much most of the the rest of the album. And then the person singing seems to be completely different than that person introducing him. So I think that a lot of what's leading up to this is some sort of subconscious talking mm. and, and explaining these, you know, feelings. And he's trying to personify multiple personalities in his head. Yeah. Well, and I, I think. Uh... Again, this is just conjecture, but a lot of times that idea of putting on a mask or putting on a persona to sort of distance yourself from what you're doing so that you feel A lot of freer. COVID-19 terms you just use right there. Put oh. on a mask and distance yourself. <laughs> a, lo a lot of what, 19? COVID-19 stuff. Oh, COVID-19, yeah. It's, yeah. It's creeping into the subconsciousness. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think like a lot of times people feel more comfortable being um, naked and open about something if they if they put a barrier up to... Yeah. It's like it's like saying asking for a friend when you're asking for yourself. Exactly. I, I think I really get a kick out of the fact too in the song that he references earlier songs on the album. Mm. I've been singing the blues and walking the cow. I tell my soul's like running water. Um, she dialed P for pest control. Like he name drops three of his own songs yeah. in the song, which is kind of cute. Yeah, it kind of kind of reminds me of when my band came up with an album at the end of our last song. We go. We've spent the last 40 minutes bitching about our problems. Because it's just like we acknowledge that they're just angsty <laughs> teen songs about bullshit. Mm. I sort of wonder, like, uh, so I know that Daniel Johnson spent most of his life in and out of um, mental institutions. And he mentions in this song his manic depressiveness, like, right out. I would be curious to know if at any point a therapist uh, recommended to him to sing and record himself as a form of because he, he seems to be doing a lot of um, self-reflection sort of working himself out right as he's recording which um, you know again if you have that avenue uh, that's awesome hmm. 
So uh, we've we've reached the point where we've come to the last track on the album. Yes. Uh, and this is a uh, follow-up to Keep Punching Joe. This is uh, No More Pushing Joe Around. Ooh. So, Taking a stand. So let's see what uh, where Joe goes. No more pushing Joe around. No more pushing Joe around. There'll be no more pushing Joe around. He's up and punching now. You know they used to push Joe around. You could only push him so far. Kelly fell down. But there'll be no more pushing Joe around. No more pushing Joe around. So the Beatles hmm. were very big Chuck Berry fans. And Chuck Berry, obviously, you know, like blues, right? So the Beatles, not inherently, they're from England, so blues, you know, the the way that American blues kind of came about is, is not relevant to where they're from necessarily. But they're big Chuck Berry fans, so they covered the song Roll Over Beethoven. And George Harrison's actually the singer on that. When you listen, George Harrison double-tracked his vocals mm-hmm. on that song. And he did it, but they don't line up perfectly. Um, so you can hear sometimes, like, he messes up a word or two, and they, like, kind of catch up on each other at weird spots. It's exactly what happens in this song. Mm. Um, what's a really cool cadence, it reminded me of that song and how, like, kind of, it's a little bluesy in, in a sense, um, but it's it's more of a cadence, double-tracked, and just really straight. And I think yeah. it's really, really, really cool. I, I love how um, it's almost a stream of consciousness. And he's just going through this thing, and, you know, we all can say that Joe is Daniel. Yes. Talking about himself. Kind of shouting out to the sister-in-law, to his mom, to his friends. Uh, And then that little bit at the end that I take it all back, I take it all back, I take it all back. Like, that really kind of fucked with me a bit. And uh, I can picture him, like, cradling in a corner in the fetal position, just like, take it all back, I take it all back, I take it all back. Like, I I could understand, like, how... Maybe I won't like have an outburst and do physically that, but like in my head, I could do exactly that. Yeah. You know, I you kind of just throw something out and hope that it sticks and everything's okay, and then you just realize like, no, 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 I, I can't, I can't handle putting that out. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, this is probably I, this is going back to my grade school days. Um, the teacher taught us about monomic devices, um, you know, techniques you use to remember something, and we were talking about vocabulary words conflagration um, big fire and the technique he suggested he used to remember that is burning the flag because conflagration yeah um, mincingly he always said picture a Chinese girl walking across the street mincingly um, <laughs> with little dainty steps which is totally inappropriate nowadays but yeah uh, the same thing and uh, I bring this all up because catharsis um, is a psychological term um, and it's basically taking a mental shit. It's you, you take the stuff that's inside of you and you release it sometimes in a violent manner to get it out of you. And um, I sort of feel like maybe that's what this whole album was yeah. a catharsis for him. And then at the end, he's kind of like, whoa, I take it back, I take it back. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Can't, can't really ask him either. Yeah, I, I I can tell you that I'm going to walk away from this tonight and I'm going to listen to more Daniel Johnston. Mm. Um, I remember when he died last year. Um, that really sort of affected me. I mean, I haven't listened to his music in a, in a long time, um, but I was touched by his passing. Uh, and I threw on YouTube and we were, I was just trying to find songs and there was a performance that he had done later in life, like probably a couple of years before he died, and it, it was I, I don't know the the name of the song, but it was a, a, a song written about a girl that he was desperately in love with, and mm-hmm. he didn't have any success because of yeah. the, the kind of guy he was. And uh, I just like busted out crying. Listen, I had never heard the song before. Like as yeah. much as I am familiar with Daniel Johnson, I didn't know that song, and it just it broke my heart. Mm. Um, and then on the complete opposite of that, there's a fantastic track that is worth checking out called King Kong you know the original you know the the movie King Kong yes Uh, there's the original um, silent black and white one that um, Harry uh, um, oh yeah the the awful one the stop motion stuff 
Um, so Daniel Johnson has a song, King Kong, and it's basically like he's just describing the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this incredible song. Tom Waits does a, a, an amazing cover of it. Um, but it's definitely if you get the chance, check out King Kong. It's it's <laughs> if you've never seen the movie, like you know it intimately by the time the song's over. He not only runs through the entire movie, he starts talking about um, what was going on behind the scenes with the director and the the special effects guy. Oh, that's and, awesome! So I love it's, that. It's awesome. I you may that. just have to check that out. So that was. Um, hi, how are you? I feel like I've been opened up to a whole new world of things that I didn't know existed. Um, and that's having zero musical talent you know well it's the thing about art um, that I always appreciate and like like I've said I I think I've said this a couple of times on this podcast I have a deep love and appreciation for earnestness Um, doesn't matter so much the technical proficiency or even if it is listenable if the intention behind it is pure and earnest, uh, I, I have I love it. There's a lot of bad stuff out there that is is good at heart. I, I think it comes down to uh, beauty is uh, in the eye of the beholder, mm-hmm. um, not the meme, but the um, the, 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 truth <laughs> the actual yeah. state. You know, it, it, things like this that you know, outsider music, lo-fi music. You know, most people my age and younger than me. Um, and probably older than me too won't like things that aren't like manufactured to be aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. um, and this is not at all aesthetically pleasing but to me that's what's pleasing yeah and and I think you know like this this album came out in 1983 um, so you've played a number of albums for us that um, would that are emo mm-hmm. this is emo yeah like you don't get more emo than this. And, and quite honestly, like a lot of what we talked about when we talked about Fat Boys and Little Men, they're channeling like Seattle grunge through. No, they're channeling like their deepest, um, crap, um, like Black Sabbath and like the early early people in the genre yep. through Seattle grunge and stuff. The, the people that make emo music, like they're also channeling. They're taking on things from. You know, the people that first started punk, which also really influenced, like, Kurt Cobain and such, who listened to people like this. And, and like, the, the a lot of the bands that influence, like, one of my favorite bands, Mike and Local Romance, I've never heard of and I will never hear of again. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They're just they're the smallest and most esoteric kind of things that aren't mainstream now that create what is mainstream. And, 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 and it defines them. And, and nobody talks about that, or they do talk about that, and nobody cares. They care about what's new and what's what's relevant and, and, and pleasing to them at the moment and not caring to look back at those things. So, yes, this is emo, and I think emo comes from this. Mm-hmm. Like, people doing stuff like this. Like, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I can see, let's say you're, like, let's pick on Kurt. Um, let's pick on him. Here, here's somebody who's become successful. Mm-hmm. He's a main, well, they were never mainstream, at least then. But, you know, he's a, a popular, famous musician. The band's on the top of the charts touring. Um, and here's this guy who has no music ability whatsoever. He's crazy, sitting in his living room, creating art. Yes. Yeah, with no interference. Like, even if we're going to go, like, let's look at the residents when we talked to... Um, I think about their theory of obscurity where an artist only produces true art when their ego is not attached to that like this is pure art there's no artifice here there's no nothing artificial this is just pure and straight um and then the guy had a tragic life Mm. i i think i've become more of a fan just listening to this album but, yeah uh, i'm glad i got to share that uh with you and with i really audience. i really enjoyed that i will be revisiting that I, uh, over the next few days i cannot strongly i cannot suggest strongly enough and uh, i will make sure that we have a link up to this uh, to the documentary the devil and daniel johnston uh which goes over his whole life and um, the filmmakers actually spent a lot of time with him and his family um and it's interesting to see see him struggling and get to know the person behind all of this um so i hope everybody enjoyed that um, yeah um 
Looking forward to next week. We'll be listening to uh, reruns by Bicycle Inn. They're a uh, local group from southeastern Massachusetts, which is a lot of the things I choose, um, and there's reasons you'll hear next week for that. Cool. Looking forward to it. In the meantime, make sure to check us out on EsotericaThePodcast.com, mm-hmm. where you'll find links to all our social media, and we've been doing a weekly live stream on Sundays, um, mostly just to keep ourselves entertained, but our small audience seems to enjoy it. Yeah, and you can view those on our website as well. Uh, we try to keep up to date the album we're doing for this week and next week, and so you can kind of get a little bit of a, a head start if you want to. So, um have a ball. Visit us at TerrickOfThePodcast.com and uh, enjoy yourself. And I don't, I don't want to uh, count our chickens before they hatch, but we got a very, very special episode coming up in a couple of weeks. Yes, um, not, so not next week. The week after that. The week after that. So um, keep listening. We got a, a surprise guest coming in that we're very excited about, and uh, you'll get more information about that as we get closer to the date. But until next time, thank you for tuning into Esoteric Podcast, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.